A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, you know what cognitive dissonance means? It's us knowing full well that Thanksgiving is a BS holiday. This is a load of crap. But you think I'm not going to stuff my face? You think I can't wait to get to my auntie house? I know we shouldn't be celebrating this. I also know that mac and cheese, though. That mug go hard. You think I don't know 4th of July ain't for people of color? You think I don't know that? You think I'm not excited for these ribs? I know both these things are true. Did Kanye not show up with a MAGA hat talking about slavery was a choice? But did he not fill an arena with a half-done album a second ago that he was able to stream live on Apple TV? Y'all know that album ain't coming out when he say it is? Come on, fam. Did we not know when R. Kelly married Aaliyah when she was 14? We all knew that man had issues, but hell, step in the name of love. I believe I can fly. You think I don't know Columbus Day is ridiculous, but if you give me a day off, I'm you, I'm not going to go to work. I know it's ridiculous, but I'm going to stay home. I like having a day off. This is some bull. I know it's bull. I know I don't celebrate this. Matter of fact, I adamantly and vehemently disagree with it. You think I don't know that gang violence in our cities has stolen so much from our families, so much of our young men, our young women. Futures have been cut short. We killed each other in our own environment. You think I don't know that? You think I still, you think I still don't be like, that's my cousin, though. That's my family, though. That's my rally, right? You think we still don't celebrate what we know was so detrimental to us? You think we don't know it's a problem? Same thing got every girl singing as soon as too short come on. What's my favorite word? Uh, you, you you finished it. I already know you finished it. You ain't even got to tell me. Same thing I know when I say it ain't no fun if the homies can't. You already, you didn't even have to finish it. Why is that every girl's anthem when I was growing up? Don't, look, I don't know what to tell you. You know it's wrong. I know it's wrong. But God dog, that mug slap. Them ribs slap. Kanye can make some music, y'all. You are fully aware that both these things are true. This is wrong, but dog is right too. And it's wrong. And it's right. Both are living. There's a dissonance. We got to talk about the Olympics, y'all. Hood politics. Hey, it's so hood right now. Hood politics, y'all. 
I was a really, really, really young child during the 84 Olympics. And I just remember all the excitement about it. I remember Carl Lewis and, and black people love track and field. Matter of fact, for a long time, I thought that was the only thing that was in the Olympics until the dream team. I was like, I'm here for the track. And then you learn about Mary Lou Retton in the in the uh, the gymnastics and stuff like that. And I got caught up in the excitement. I remember in, in fifth grade being like, I want to go to the Olympics in track and field. And it's just it just in my head, it was like, this is the best of the best. But there's things you're just not aware of. Now you become an adult and you start going, oh, wait, so the Olympic torch was invented by the Nazis as a sign of white supremacy. You know, you started in Greece and you go around all the Western civilization as they pass the torch of just of the dominance of, of Western culture. They invented the toy. We all know what the torch is. So it's, it's a white supremacist thing. I'm out here thinking Jesse Owens out there doing the Lord's work and changing maybe possibly the mind of the Nazi regime. But white supremacy already believed that like, well, of course the black man's going to be a run faster than us. They're running in the jungles. You know what I'm saying? So they it just reinforced their understanding of eugenics views they already had. You talking about it's supposed to be the best of the best get to compete from all over the world when we know for a fact Sharia Kari was finna smoke everybody, but y'all took her off because she had to smoke because y'all ain't want to smoke. So you clearly ain't want her there. We know this racist stuff going on. Hell, they told the black swimmer she can't use a cap that fits her head. Hell, we know it's sexist. There's the Norwegian team this year, the Norwegian uh, uh, beach volleyball team that said they ain't want to wear bikini bottoms because it don't make no damn sense. So they had just like some some like workout shorts on. They got fined because they wasn't wearing no bikinis. That's some bull. Like we know it's bullshit. Listen, Russia got kicked out a few years ago as a country for doping, but they hear they just can't be called Russia. So the Russia still sent a team. They just not under the, this some bullshit. We know it's some bullshit, but I don't know what the hell else to tell you. It's the Olympics. Nigga, it's fun as hell. I just, it's a dissonance that I feel like, I'm not saying it's okay. I'm just like, it's sports has and continue to break down so many racial barriers. So many advancements we've made have been because of sports. People like, Man, Jackie Robinson, again, I mentioned him again, Jesse Owens, you know, Wilma Rudolph. Like, people have really seen their lives change. The world has changed because of, like, athletes. And I'm a fan. I know some, personally, I know some Olympic athletes, and I'm like, Doc, these are just the dopest humans. And it's amazing to see them work. It's amazing to see them put in their work and earn their goals. It's fresh, Doc. It's inspiring. See these people work as hard as they do and get the glory they get. It's incredible. I watched a sport I never seen before just to, earlier today called, it was single person rowing. The girl was on her knee on a canoe on one knee and had one oar and was paddling up on his spirit. He was the first one to ever, it was the first gold medal ever in that sport. It was a woman from America. I was like, that sister is yoked. I never seen a sport like that. They said that when she was little, she had a um a weird thing with her hip where her hip didn't fit in the ball socket right. So she could never play soccer or any other sport that she liked ever again. Discovered this sport that I never seen before. Discovered it nine years later, won a gold medal. It's inspiring. So when you talk about why people in the hood glorify 
gang culture and glorify our, you know, violent past and our loss. Like, why we glorify the hood, nigga? It's the same reason you still celebrate the Olympics knowing full and got doggone well. This is not good for us. Got dog, that mug slap. Now, let's get down to it. Let's get to it as to like what I really mean by like this thing is really not good for us. There's so many assumptions we have seem like fair assumptions. Like it's it it seems like this would be the case. It just ain't. We would believe that when you're the host city, you make a gang of money that the city would like from tourism, from building all these new spots artists do stuff, you would, artists like attention on the city, you would think this would be good. You would think it'd be good for the athletes that it's like, dog, you get to be seen all over the world. You know what I'm saying? Like you're supposed to make a ton of money. You you feel me? Like this is supposed to be a win for everybody and the nation gets to floss. They get to finally put their arm around their people. We know it's, we know it's pageantry. You know what I'm saying? Flashback to the 1968 Olympics, the poster that's in everybody's, every at least every black person's house of uh, the two brothers with their fist up, you know, with the poor dude from Australia that was in second place that had to stand there and <laughs> while these brothers with they with they big black power fist up, they was making a political statement that like, yeah, I'm out here running for y'all, but y'all still beating us in the streets. Y'all still killing us. So it's like, who am I really cheering for? What's really going on? Like, why are we playing this pretend game like it's all rah-rah? you know, sis, boom, bye. Like, it's kumbaya back at home. My nigga, it's not. But we all know it. But damn, you see that nigga run a 10 flat? That mug was crazy. It's just, it's this, it's this dissonance. This mug introduced you to sports. Like, I, you know, I never seen no water polo game ever. You know what I'm saying? But yo, P, since 1988, 2 million people have been displaced. Because when you come to a city, you got to build an aquatic center. It ain't one here, nigga. You just got to build one. And where do you build them? You build them where you could get the land. Where do you get the land? The land that the easiest land to get is poor communities. They can't fight back. You just take their land. You just, since 1988, two million people have been displaced. Where I get that from? I got that from a bunch of sources. So there's the New Republic. There's a Washington Post article. There's an Oxford University research projects about the Olympics between 1960 and 2020. Like this stuff is, I mean, it's like clear data. It shows that this mug is damaging. You know what I'm saying? So look, let's get to the numbers. According to the New Republic, I'm going to be paraphrasing and doing some direct quotes. So just bear with me. So here go to paraphrase. Networks, you know, cable, media outlets. I mean, they're making billions on airing the thing, not to mention corporations making millions off, you know, sponsorships, not to mention real estate, infrastructure, just all of the things that takes to, to become a whole city. Yeah, there's billions and billions of dollars to be made. But OK, now I'm going to start quoting. The whole city gets stuck with the bill for billions in infrastructure tweaks, construction, and operation costs. As Pacific University professor Jules Boykoff, who has written extensively on the politics of the Olympics, argued in the Washington Post, there's an overwhelming evidence that the games are a financial disaster for cities. Every Olympics since 1960 has exceeded its budget, and cities and host countries are on the hook for the cost overruns, a loss rarely recouped by the eventual inflation 
influx of revenue so enthusiastically touted by the elected officials as the reason to place an Olympic bid in the first place. One recent study found that since 2007, the games cost $12 billion apiece in sports-related costs alone, including event security, medical services, catering, and the construction of stadiums and Olympic villages. Not to mention up to several times as much for food and transit improvements, hotel expansions, and whatever else is needed to accommodate the, quote, largest and highest profile and most expensive mega event hosted by cities and nations. If the Japanese governmental audit is correct, Tokyo 2020 will come out to $28 billion, almost four times the original budget of $7.5 billion. Who you think gonna pay for that? Yeah, you got the answer. Check this out. Look, I'm gonna paraphrase again. Venues in Pyongyang in 2018 and then in Rio in 2016 are empty. Like you build these things and ain't nobody there. But where did they build them? They built them in hoods where there was communities that were there. Favelas completely knocked down. In 1996 in Atlanta, listen, 4,000 people lost their houses to build the Olympic stadiums. Listen. In Rio in 2016, there was where there was favelas, dead luxury condos. Where you think those people gonna go? People talking about we got a homeless problem. Nigga, you just knocked down the houses, right? In Los Angeles 2028, this is the we got a bid. We so we didn't won the bid for the Olympics in 2028. But check this out. They done already knocked down rent stabilized houses. Hell, do you know, do you know what's happening at Skid Road? You know, the Union Rescue Mission is right down in 6th Street in downtown. Do you really think, you really think Los Angeles going to let downtown just be full of the houseless population we got right now? No, they that's that's prime real estate. They done already sold their building. Wait, uh, y'all, and look, I don't say this as a diss to the Union Rescue Mission. They do amazing work. I know some of them folks. Their problem was, we'll never sell. I know we in a, our location is amazing. They're like, we'll never sell because we can't go nowhere. What city wants the hub of services for the houseless? Like, we can't go nowhere. Nobody wants us. So we stay here. People have been trying to buy that spot for a long time. They finally found a place, though. I think it has a lot to do with the Olympics. But think about it, though. They take our houses and they build these things, and then we got to pay for them. Fam, it's trash. But did I not get that original Dream Team t-shirt? I don't know what to tell you. Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. 
because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins, and this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So look, uh, here's this article from the Washington Post. I'm going to pull most of this data from. And it's this article is called The Five Myths About the Olympics. And again, it's one of those things you don't want to look at because I enjoy it so much. And you kind of already know. So it's like, ah, dog, don't, man, don't say it out loud. But we know. You, you knew good and well something was wrong with Michael Jackson. That boy, listen, you don't build no Neverland in your front yard. Talking about you miss being a child. You got an amusement park in your house. That that's for kids. Are you? I, we dog. We knew. Like we can't say we ain't know. We knew. Do you know what I'm saying? We knew. <laughs> okay, I need to stop stress at this point. Cat Williams did this stand up a while back where he was talking about Mike, and he was like, "Man, we can't front like we ain't know." He says, "Listen, I got stuff around my house because I'm quoting him because I like bitches." 
So I got stuff around my house that women like. I got a drawer full of pads and tampons. I got silk sheets. Why? Because women like it. So it's shit around my house that women like. He was like, if you build an amusement park, nigga, it's because you like kids. He was like, I don't act like we ain't know. Now, the first myth is the idea that it's going to be a big moneymaker. And like I said, the city don't make money, right? Matter of fact, they're always over budget. We always end up having to have all around the city these things we don't ever get to enjoy. Oxford University research analyzed Olympics between 1960 and 2020 and found out that every single game ran over budget with an average cost overrun of 172% in real terms, notably higher for the mega projects. The Tokyo Olympics is a striking example. Originally slated for 7.5 billion, like I said, the price tag is around 28 billion. According to the government audit of Japan, postponement increased the bill to about 30 billion. In an academic paper, economists Robert Blade and Victor Matheson found that the overwhelming conclusion that it is in most cases, the Olympics are money losing proposition and result in a positive net benefits only under very specific and unusual circumstances. In other ways, Look, dog, you're going to take an L. The money's, you're going to lose money. And the Olympics just get the card off. into. So it's really not making y'all no money. You may think so. That's a cool, nice little aquatic center that can't nobody go to. There's one in down in Long Beach, I think. An aquatic center down in Long Beach that I think maybe we did a summer camp at. But, like, uh, I mean, it's not like this, like, tourist attraction. My nigga, like, you know what I'm saying? It's way down there in Long Beach. I mean, when I used to live down there, like I said, me and my... I took my daughter to a summer swimming class down there, but like once, you feel me? <laughs> Myth two is that the cities are super eager to host. That's just not true. Cities aren't, don't want to do that. It's the oligarchs that do because nigga, your traffic gonna suck. Nigga, you might lose your house. You know what I'm saying? Uh, it's gonna be a million other outsiders out here taking up all the, everything going to cost more. It's like, it's a, it's, it's a headache. Not to mention if you black and brown, like I said, you might lose your home. So check this out here. I'm quoting. In 2014, the IOC unanimously passed agenda in 2020, a slate of recommendations designed to reduce costs and to incite bidders. The closing report asserted that this new flexible approach is bearing fruit and is well appreciated as demonstrated by the interests currently being shown in future Olympic Games. A one-time bitter interest was indeed strong. 12 cities vied for the 2004 Summer Olympics. After 1988, a number of bids emerging from developing countries more than tripled. But more recently, though, fewer and fewer cities have been game to host which is partly why the IOC embarked on Agenda 2020. A look at the race for 2022 Winter Olympics is instructive. Initially, multiple cities were interested, but Ukraine, uh, Poland, Stockholm, and many others pulled out. Then Oslo withdrew after Norway's parliament jettisoned the necessary financial guarantees as the IOC 7,000 pages of demands, like a private meetings with the Norwegian king, VIP traffic lanes, and hotel minibars stocked with Coke products, which comedians just dragged, landed with a thud. That left only Beijing and Kazakhstan neither bastions of democracy, 
And the IOC went to the known entity Beijing, who previously hosted the 2008 Summer Games. Now, this is what they said. Hey, you guys want to do this? It's like, here's 7,000 pages of what it takes to do it. And cities are like, okay, hold up. We have to have Coke products in here? Yeah, every, yeah. If you want the Olympics, you have to, you have to, you could only have Coke products. Nigga, what? (laughs) You tripping. And then the city's budgets look at it and they go, fam, this going to cost us how much? Nah, homie, we good. The cities don't really want it. That's myth two. Myth three, the games are path to riches for athletes. Okay, let's talk about megastars then. Simone Biles, Michael Phelps. Can you name anybody else? Uh, the, the, the dream team dudes? Well, they're pro athletes. They're, they don't make money off the Olympics. The Olympics is a flex. Yeah, who got second place in men's archery in 1980? I don't know. Hey, it's Olympic sports. I don't even know our Olympic sports. Quoting, most Olympic athletes don't cash in. Even medal-winning Americans don't strike it that rich. A gold medal earns $35,500 paid by the U.S. Olympic Committee. While silver means $22,500 and bronze means $15,000. After earning a bronze medal in judo in the 2008 Beijing Olympics, future mixed martial artist star Ronda Rousey lived in her 2005 Honda Accord to make ends meet. Two-time medal-winning cyclist Rebecca Twig ended up homeless in Seattle. Ahead of her 2016 Rio Games, more than 100 U.S. athletes started GoFundMe pages to pay for their Olympic dreams. Success can lead to lucrative sponsorships, at least for athletes in high-profile sports, but a show ain't no bet. So you are telling me, think of it like this, you make it to the NBA in hopes to be LeBron James. Nigga, there's one LeBron James. Everybody don't get a shoe deal, nigga. Where's the last time you wore some Air Gasols? Nigga, he don't get a shoe. Listen, $37,500 for a gold medal. That's in four years. That only come every four years. You have to win the whole thing. You feel me? Oh, they gonna get sponsors, nigga. Really? Every gold medalist, there's a silver medalist. They ain't doing no commercials. They work just as hard as a gold medal. They made less. Talking about we gonna make money. I was there with you. You ain't making a dime. What about fourth place? You know what I'm saying? Like, you've been working fifth, hell, sixth. You made the Olympic team. Nigga, you finna go work at Starbucks because they ain't passing out no shoe deals for sixth place. <laughs> now, they don't, everybody don't make it, but everybody gotta go. We all gotta pay the same. And as a matter of fact, y'all just saw Simone Biles like, fuck this, I'm going home. At first, you know what? It, it, the, their, her, her situation really taught me a lot about the generation I was raised in. Let me tell you what I mean by that. Because I'm like, look, we wasn't allowed to quit stuff. I, when I was a kid, we wasn't allowed to quit. You could, man, y'all built different. It's like, you don't let down your team. Simone, like, fam, first of all, I done won more medals than anyone. Some of them medals, some of them championships, I won with two broken toes. And... You asking me to go back to the Olympics after knowing full well Larry Nasser, nigga been molesting, he been sexually assaulting these kids this whole damn time, and you want me to go back? She like, kick rocks, nigga, I'm going home. I wish, man, I wish I would have 
Nobody gave me that option. I come from the generation where we wasn't given the option to go home. We was out there passing. And, I, and what's crazy is I wear it as a badge of honor. It's so crazy to be like, listen, we was out there getting heat strokes, summer league basketball, getting heat strokes, running laps, because you can't give up. How many of y'all hated soccer? Hated it, but you had to play. You can't, you can't give, you don't give up on your team. It's like, nigga, I hate this game. You had to do it. And look, look, we grow up saying, you know what? But it taught me stick with itness. It taught me how to stick it out and stay for your team. And yeah, these are important things, but fam, how many of us in therapy because we should have quit some shit? You understand what I'm saying? Sophie, Sophie that produced this show and produced all the other shows on the network that we all like. When she, she played basketball in high school, she said she popped her shoulder, got popped, got displaced in a game. Stayed, they popped it in, popped it in wrong, stayed in the game, and they won. She was like eight years of physical therapy after that. Nigga, your shoulder out of, just sit down. We don't come from that. Look, we come from play through the pain. You know what I'm saying? You suck it up, physical and emotional. And emotional pain don't count, my nigga. That's not real pain. That's where we come from. What is doing to these? Michael Phelps <laughs> won the most gold medals ever. You know what he is now? A spokesman for mental health. He the dude on the Calm app. Nigga, because we just don't. What are we doing to these athletes, man? For our entertainment. They's like, look, I'm going home. I didn't, Look, I got nothing else to prove. If you're an Olympic athlete, you the best in the world. Unless you smoke some herb in, which is part of the bullshit. Unless you smoke some herb in Oregon where it's legal and you black, then you the best of the world, but don't get to go. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's bullshit. Is it really helping these athletes? If they like this too much, y'all, this too much on it. If you, again, go back to 1968 where it's like, yeah, I won this. Dog, Muhammad Ali, he said in his own interview, I went out there in the Olympics and I whooped all, I whooped all of, 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 of America's enemies. I beat them up. And then I came home and I can't get a piece of pie in my own hometown. It's like, what is we, the mind bender that must be for an athlete, especially if you go back all the way to that, where they like, nigga, I can't even, can you imagine, can you imagine like they just, I just read you, Ronda Rousey, she became a legend after, but after she don't won the medal, nigga, she living in her car? Is it really that good? Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. 
Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins, and this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then... Fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Myth number four, which is the easiest one, that our athletes have the right to freedom of expression. Do they, cuz? <laughs> I mean, do I need to bring back up the Norwegian women's uh, uh, volleyball team that was like, I'm not playing in bikini pants? Like, I, I mean, and and even, and look, 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 I'm gonna put the most F-boy and who I just learned, like the British version of that is the lads like the lad culture. That's like the British version, the UK's version of like a fuck boy. I didn't know that, but I've learned it. I'm gonna put the most fuck boy lens on. They still looked good. These these professional women athletes, I'm saying, okay, so they ain't got their cheeks out. They got the tight biker shorts on. I'm like, if you gonna be a douchebag, nigga, they still look, they still look good. Was I don't understand. I'm saying this is the most douchebag way ever to say it, but I'm like, but that's not the damn point, man. Like, they athletes, man. Like, why can't, 
Why you finna tell them their uniform needs to be sexier? Like, that don't make no damn sense. What is you talking about? Fools get fined. You think, here's a quote. But athletes remain barred from expressing their views during medal ceremonies, opening and closing ceremonies in the Olympic Village or on the field of play during competition. Rule 50 was a response to the indelible act of political dissonance. The movement in 1968 where the Olympians, John Carlos and Tommy Smith, threw their black gloved fists skyward for the human rights and black freedom. Curiously, the Olympic official channel celebrates Carlos and Smith as legends for their demonstration, dubbing it one of the most iconic moments in the history of modern Olympics, yet updated their guidelines to prohibit any other Carlos and Smiths from emerging at the Tokyo Olympics. So, nigga, that's so dope that you guys did that. Man, you were standing up for your rights. Y'all change the, change the laws. Make sure don't nobody else do this. Like, it's a joke, dog. Man, y'all weirdos. In L.A., that's probably like the worst thing you can call somebody. It's like, man, it's for weirdos. Y'all weirdos. And then the last myth, at least for these Olympics, is that they're going to stop the coronavirus. Come on, cuz. You're going to say it's top right. And they're doing what they can. It's like there's no, there's no audience in the stands. You know, they're trying to stagger the overlap of athletes using the best scientific guidelines and safety available. However, the idea of getting all these people in one place and thinking you're going to stop the spread of an invisible virus is ridiculous. Matter of fact, multiple athletes have already tested positive. But let me stack on top of that. Japan still got a low vaccine rate. They ain't got enough vaccines for themselves. So if you sitting outside trying to get your vaccine, you're just a regular Joe Blow citizen of Japan, and you like, I thought y'all said y'all ain't had money for vaccines for us. Well, why y'all got it all for these? Oh, nigga, y'all don't care. Y'all don't care. So to summarize, it's built on and has racist practices. It costs the city more than it makes. The athletes, unless you are the like Simone Biles of your sport, probably not going to make no money. The city don't want it. And you can't stop disease from spreading. And I'm going to throw it again and go back to right. I can't stress this enough. Even if you cheat, you can still come. You just got to change. I just think that's the funniest. To me, that's the funniest part of this mug. You just, Russia just can't wear their shirt. But we all know it's Russia. Nigga, that's hilarious to me. So we all know. And did you see that girl just do that triple backflip axle off the thing? Yo, did you see the U.S. men's basketball team? Yo, did you see that wrestling? Yo, did you see the Philippines? Philippines just won their their first medal ever. It was in like powerlifting. I'm so happy for that lady. Now, when she got back to the city, they, I mean, they, they deemed her good. They did her good. She was the first Olympic winner ever. Do I, every time when you do the opening ceremony, I'm sitting there with my Google Maps out. Wherever like nations come, fam, I'm looking them up. Cause it's like, I get it. It's exciting and it's trash. 
That's called cognitive dissonance. And we have it all the time in so many areas. Take it back to politics. Do you think I don't understand gentrification completely? Wrote a damn song about it. Working purposefully to fight against it. I do like craft beer, though. I am a coffee nerd. Ah, dissonance. So what's my uh, takeaway for us? Big old air quotes, us. As people of color, as black and brown communities, as, you know, BIPOC, indigenous, LGBTQ, oftentimes we don't allow ourselves to have this type of dissonance. Uh, my wife, if y'all new to here, my wife, refer to her by her prefix, Dr. Almazergo, most smartest person I know, first gen Latina from Southern Mexico, or her, her daddy from uh, Mexico City, her mom from Acapulco. Anyway, first gen came like, came from no running waters to a PhD in educational policy. She's brilliant. She's, she's smarter than me. She gave me this term. It's called class straddler. And I think if you listen in the podcast and you came from where I came from, any town USA, where I came from, where she came from. You came from working class, check to check, make spaghetti because spaghetti lasts for weeks, you know, syrup sandwiches, uh, salt tacos, you know what I'm saying? You do what you got to do, you know, your dishes ain't match, you feel me? You thought making it was having a pantry or an upstairs. That meant you made it. You feel me? We come from that. But now we're in a place where we can sit down and listen to podcasts. You're living comfortable. Maybe not, you ain't balling, but like if you wanted to rent an Airbnb in, you know, Palm Springs or you could, you could take a weekend and go to Vegas. Like you, you could. So you in this like in-between space to where it's like, in your childhood, you would have been one of the houses that got displaced when the Olympics came. In your childhood, that would happen to you. And guess what? It's probably happening to people you probably grew up with. It's probably happening to people you love dearly because you in between these classes. And it's like, and you live comfortably in this space, but still have the sentiment of, and this, and the the you still think like where you from to where it's like, I have a hard time. Like, this is me. I have a hard time spending money. Like, I got it, but, like, there's certain things I just, I can't, I just can't get myself to buy because I'm just like, nigga, we ain't finna buy that. Like, I've never, when I was growing up, we didn't go on vacation. We went to visit family, but I ain't going on vacation. We ain't have money for, like, to go do what? Like, just to go kick it somewhere? Like, we just didn't, we ain't had a money for that. You know what I'm saying? We, I, I, like I said, we went to visit family. We flew to D.C. My mom's from D.C. We flew to D.C., you know, but we we had to straddle it. It was like either one of us could go. Like it all, me and my sister, either she could go or I could go, right? Either my dad went or my mom went, but we never all went. We ain't had the money for four people to fly. But like, we just ain't have it, you know? And still to this day, like my plates don't match. I'm not finna like, you don't throw away perfectly fine dishes. All of our bowls got chips on them because I just can't get myself to go buy. Like I just... Ain't nothing wrong with the bowl. You buy it when it breaks. You hear yourself say You buy a new one when it breaks and you buy one. Like, I ain't got a set of dishes. Like, I just, it's those type of like little things that when you come from, you it's called a class straddler. Like, I'm I'm in between. Like, I understand this because I've kind of lived there, but I still, I still feel these sentiments here. You and I have this dissonance of things we understand politically 
things we understand socioeconomically, culturally, and can relate to much closer, but it's not necessarily where we live now. It becomes this mental sort of tug of war that is unique to people in these marginalized groups. You like nice things, but I kind of feel bad for liking nice things because we never really had nice things and a lot of my folks can't get it. It's, it's weird. The cognitive dissonance of going back to the music example, we just forgave Kanye. We just let it go. My man said slavery was a choice. Like, And then he did the Sunday services. And we just like forgot this, all the madness this man was talking because it bangs. The music bangs. It's just like y'all filled an arena with unmixed music. I mean, he just walked around in circles to hear this man play songs that really ain't done and charge $50 for chicken strips? Like, what are we doing, y'all? Well, it slaps. We feel like we should make a choice. Some of y'all don't feel it. You just okay with the dissonance. We just like, whatever, nigga, it slaps. But it's still a question we ask in our culture. Should we have canceled R. Kelly much earlier? What do we mean by cancel? Now, what we mean is always and oftentimes having nothing to do with what conservative pundits think we mean by cancel culture. What they talk about is they just don't want accountability. They just want to be able to do what the hell they want to do. And we got nowhere to go because y'all on top and, or because it was so long ago, we supposed to just get over it. You know what I'm saying? Oh, they're, they're, they're canceling Dr. Seuss. Well, nigga, Dr. Seuss said some trash shit. And we just ain't never had the chance to say nothing about it. And ain't nobody canceling him, fool. We holding him accountable. We saying maybe the culture has moved on and we shouldn't talk about it. So that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about us when we're like, yo, this is enough. Yes. <laughs> Why ain't we say something? Why ain't we do nothing about R. Kelly? We knew that man was sick because nigga 12 play, go. <laughs> Listen, yes, I know gang violence is a problem. That's my rally though. I, I know. Some things feel like selling out. I think selling out is something totally different, like selling out your, your issues. And I, I feel like if you've been listening, that might have been something you've been waiting for me to acknowledge that like selling out is selling out. Yeah, that that's a thing. I'm talking about dissonance. I'm talking about the turkey leg, the collard greens, and the macaroni and cheese that you finna have on Thanksgiving. Enjoy it. It's good food. I don't know what else, I don't know what else to tell you. Enjoy it. It's good food on a terrible holiday. Dissonance. You know, 4th of July, look, if you can get some, some of that dry rub Memphis barbecue, get the barbecue. Enjoy it. And keep your fist up. It's, it's both. We'll never get to be both. I'm saying be both. That's the dissonance. Protest, fight, stand up. And just, I don't... It's weird, dog. Look, man. Because the wealthy get to have that. You you know, Branson didn't... Whitey on the moon, knowing full well the earth dying. They get to have it. Listen, man, the Olympics is trash. Nigga, I know. I can't wait for the 4 by 100 relay.
Y'all, this mug was recorded and edited by me, Propaganda, right here in East Los Boyle Heights, Los Angeles. Y'all can follow me at Prop Hip Hop on all the socials. You can follow the Hood Politics Pod itself at Hood Politics Pod, where we be trying to make takes on stuff that aren't really big enough for a whole episode, but definitely needs a little bit of clarity. This mug was scored, edited, mixed, and mastered by the one and only Headlights. Y'all go follow my dog, Matt Oswowski. I still don't know how to say his name. I'm glad he changed it to Headlights. Follow him on his socials at Headlights underscore music. Telling you, hear all these new other fly tracks this fool be making. And the theme music was done by the one and only Gold Tips, Gold Tips, DJ Sean P. Y'all remember, every time you check in, if you understand the hood, you could understand politics. Shouts to iHeartMedia for making this happen. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.